Welcome to Rector's Cupboard, a podcast for people who are interested in questions of culture and faith. We ask these questions from outside the institutional structures of religion. We're glad that you're listening and hope that you enjoy and benefit from the conversation. So welcome. We're really pleased to have our guest uh, here today, Makoto Fujimura, who uh, we're so pleased that he has agreed to speak with us. And uh, we'll talk about his book and a number of other things. But Makoto is an artist. And uh, Amanda, you're here today. Hi, Amanda. I am. Hello. And Allison is yeah. here as Hello. well. And uh, in, in terms of the church and faith and Art is a subject that gets a lot of different reactions. Uh, what's your experience of art and the church? Can you think of anything, any kind of art? Christian art, Christian drama, Christian When I try to movies. think of, like, I grew up Presbyterian, I'm trying to think of like the presence of art. Art and, and I beauty don't, and... I don't remember seeing it really, actually. Not, there wasn't a lot of it other than, you know, much. iconography and things like that. But um, Well, not a lot of that in Presbyterianism no, either. No, no, but, you know, an awareness of the beauty of a stained glass window in a church or something like that. But within the Presbyterian church, there wasn't like a... Yeah, I know the sanctuary you, you yes. are picturing. And it is nice in a way, but there's Other no Presbyterian churches, though, um, have some pretty beautiful, some stained like, glass, stained glass and things like whatever. that. The sanctuary is beautiful, but art itself, no. Well, I my experience was Baptist and then Brethren, Plymouth Brethren, and so yeah. definitely Plymouth no. Brethren had no. a goal of making the spaces as ugly as possible because, and this isn't exclusive to them in the Christian faith. The idea was that anything anything beautiful will be distracting mm-hmm. from God, so there was no yeah. art at all. And even I mean, the sanctuary wasn't. Not, I mean, it was just although there's room. there's quite a rich history with art and the church absolutely mm-hmm. i mean there absolutely go to museums is. it's like well, how many I mean, pictures of jesus and the cross and mary and well and even um uh when i i went to to malta five years ago now and so there's tons of churches there and there's these massive massive churches that they're just covered in gold leaf and the floors are like individual like kind of like tombstoney kind of granite like the the level of of art in there and the artistic detail and it's just big mosaic it's absolutely stunning i mean i feel slightly conflicted because i'm like that is a lot of wealth that is contained in that oh the old churches in europe even when i was in sweden um many years ago yeah it's different but yeah and and so your experience in presbyterianism mine within the plymouth brethren church there was a, a relationship allison between what you're saying and the experience of these kind of backgrounds is that uh, there was, you know, with with um, the reaction, the Protestant reaction to the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. there was this like, we're not going to go in for any of that, you know. Although I, w- I would say that there's definitely some Protestant denominations that that have their own version of it. Like, I, I'm, I don't know if, if our listeners are aware of how expensive, like, Anglican vestments are, like, they're right. absurdly mm. expensive. Catholic, though, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, like a leftover, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. No, like now it's like guys in a, guys usually, sometimes, but people preaching in like, you know, casual clothes to tell everybody that. Yeah. So e- even in terms of attire and those. Yeah, kinds of things, I don't think it was ever like, you know, art is bad. There was, that was certainly not kind of the not message. In but experience. in the, there, the there Presbyterian the church, stoicism, so. though, you don't talk about, you know, an emotional <laughs> reaction. The emotions and the feelings. Right? Might, and yeah. art evokes emotion. And so, in, so that's just not a little part of the conversation. circles, the art is like a PowerPoint background. That sometimes is so on oh, the note, like or like a yeah, <laughs> yeah. It so ends up we're coming singing about Jesus. So here's a picture of Jesus with light around his head and kind yeah. of like. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, have you had experiences where art communicates to you some of the deeper things? What be they spiritual, emotional, relational, a piece of art or? Like I'm trying to think of of something in specific. Like there there was something when when we went to. Um, and, and when we were in Malta, we, we ended up um, going to, to Belgium as well. And the churches, we, we looked at a couple of churches there. and They weren't the same thing. Like the, the level of like opulence that was in the churches in Malta was just absolutely exceptional. It was, um, but there, there was part where the amount of care and time that, that went into creating these really beautiful, ornate things. Like 
even if I had some conflicting feelings with that, like there was something to go like, oh my goodness, the amount of time and energy and the talent that went into creating these, these beautiful, beautiful images. Um, I mean, the, I went to the, uh, Da Vinci exhibit at the Vancouver Art Gallery years ago, and there was something about being like so physically close to like pieces of paper that Da Vinci had like sketched on that you feel like this kind of transcendence of like crossing time, and, and that was that That's was kind of something. Yeah. Or you see so, an original, mm-hmm. you know, starry, even when it's not original, like um, it might be a COVID thing also. But I went to the Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. Um, exhibit that they did at the Vancouver Convention Center recently. Imagine Van Gogh. Gogh, And all it was was projections of his work. But it was on these overwhelming though. An entire room uh, that surrounded you by his art. And I I it was really emotional actually when I went in there. Like it's a dark room. The projections are there. There's music as well. So it kind of like captures your senses. Mm -hmm. Um and the reason I say I don't know if it's a COVID thing, it was also kind of one of the first things that I had <laughs> done. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Amongst too. people. I had that same experience. So yeah. you kind of throw those, you know, the other elements into it. But when Starry Night came out and it like it took over the entire room, I really had an emotional yeah. reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is just actually a small painting. And like a lot of the is. originals are very small or the mm-hmm. but and, and I was at that exhibit as well or that that show. And there was also something I think a lot of people felt there. I, I was one of them between how they told the story of Van Gogh and concepts of mental illness or or Mm -hmm. how you and how things can be communicated with art that can't necessarily be communicated in other forms of language. There is something. I have a friend. I like him a lot. um, But he says that he can't understand why anybody would read a novel. And Hmm. his his follow-up is, because why wouldn't you just read things that are true? And you're like, oh, I think there's a concept of truth here that is like... That is that's interesting because I right prefer that, novels and, and yeah, fiction Yeah, and over how does art speak in a way the deeper things, the meaningful mm-hmm. things, emotional, spiritual, theological, all these, all these kinds of things that we can hear in a way that we can't hear with other forms of language. That's something that I think is, is really, really interesting. But mm-hmm. it's also something to wrestle with in terms of the opulence of a church. Well, yeah, no, and I think in, in particular when as churches are are classified as charities and I feel like there could probably be some pretty substantial like alleviation of um like work on suffering and or, yeah. suffering mm-hmm. if if yeah. some some of that wealth was unlocked yes yeah yeah. But what do you just sell the art to like, you know, I don't know. Sure. Some art I, I don't know. The, <laughs> yeah. That's the, the thing is that goes, it's, it's a it's bigger conversation, but yeah. 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 There's a tension there of, mm-hmm. well, I think the yeah. idea of, of monetizing these kinds of things mm-hmm. is something that's interesting for artists as well. Like, right. That I don't even know how art. you would like place value do, on art yeah. in one sense like that. That's, I mm-hmm. would assume as an artist, that's a tricky thing to do. Cause you're like, well, I'm not just going to count the amount of hours that I made making this painting. Maybe it's the type of materials that I used and maybe it's the fact that I've been thinking about doing this painting for the last 10 years and I never quite knew how to conceptualize it and now I do. Or like, it's, yeah. I, I don't know how you do that. It's one of the reasons that I so appreciate our guest for today because he's someone who speaks and from his perspective about, you know, he, he writes things about theology mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. his faith and faith in general and in ways that his writing is is so great and helpful and clear but also to see something greater that you can't necessarily describe in in particular language with the beauty of his art as well including the method of his art how slow yeah. it's put together and how and so i think that it's something that that you know artists have mattered in, in the realm of faith and uh, art, you know, the best art obviously doesn't have an agenda necessarily. And that's yeah, something mm-hmm. that we struggle with in our culture, right? When art is turned into sales or something, right? Even when a good song is made a slogan mm-hmm. or something that you hear it on an ad and you think, well, I guess they, they got money for doing that, but now that's become something different. Maybe that song. Well, I think for a lot of artists, they, they create out of an impulse to create. They, they're struck with um, inspiration. And and I, I'm not an artist myself, but I, I've heard several um, describe that they're like, I, I had to like get it out of it's my body. It's almost like a compulsion. Yeah. Right. And, and so while I do think that there is part where, you know, they, they need to eat and pay their bills and those sorts of things that, 
there, there's a level of monetization that kind of needs to happen. There's also part where I, I think that they wouldn't know how to be themselves doing other things. Well, I mean, the three things that are said to be transcendent, right? Goodness, beauty, and truth. The things that speak of something higher, of the divine. And that's the hope for art. And sometimes it's yeah. just in something that can be really uh, particular and that doesn't seem, you know, super lofty, but that just communicates something like the human condition mm -hmm, or something yeah. that you can identify with. And so really pleased to have our guests this morning. Thank you both for mm -hmm, mm -hmm. chatting. And uh, we hope uh, for those who are listening that you really enjoy the interview. We, we certainly mm -hmm. do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're very pleased to be joined today. I feel super privileged, actually, mm -hmm. to be joined by Makoto Fujimura, who is an artist. His recent exhibitions in New York and Asia have been featured in the New York Times and The Atlantic and other leading publications. He's an award-winning author, the founding of I Am Culture Care and the Fujimura Institute, and co-founder of Kintsugi Academy. Am I saying Kintsugi close to right? Yeah. Okay, Great. thanks. Oh, <laughs> and he served uh, in the United States on the National Council on the Arts. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. We're really, really uh, privileged. Love your work. So thanks for joining Great. us. Uh, honored to be here with you. So, uh, Mako, tell us a bit about yourself, your journey to how you got to where you are in art and faith. How did that all happen for you? Yeah, art plus faith is my life work, and um, I uh, have a very interesting journey. I was born in Boston. Uh, my father is a renowned research scientist, and he was doing his postdoc with Noam Chomsky when really? I was born. Yes, <laughs> and uh, wow. then, we, then, then we went to Sweden, and then, then we went to Japan, Kamakura, Japan, and uh, I spent my young years there until middle school. Middle school, I came back to New Jersey, where my father um, was at the famed Bell Labs uh, facility uh, doing his research on acoustics and speech and hearing sciences oh, and wow. so, so the fact that we can speak today <laughs> in this format yeah. is uh, partly because of his his work but um and then um i went to bucknell university in lewisburg pennsylvania and and then went back to japan for as a national scholar to study uh, japanese style painting uh, called nihonga uh, in japan and um, I ended up there for six and a half years in this uh, kind of a lineage program that can uh, trace it, tra you can trace this back to 16th century Japan uh, of um, mentoring uh, program and um, of traditional materials. And, and my intent from the beginning was to apply this to contemporary art. So I came back um, in the early 90s to start my career in New York. You, uh, when did you know that you wanted to be an artist? Because growing up in that in that family, I would imagine there were a lot of options yeah. or ideas. Well, yeah, I fortunately at Bucknell, I, I, you could try different things, and I I, I majored in animals uh, behavior and art. <laughs> so um, I, I, it's it's a very unusual mm. program in which you can explore various um, threads, and uh, so. Um, that was that was very fortunate because um, you know book like art plus faith it, it depends on a very divergent thinking and um, it even though I I was not uh, follow Christ then um, I began to see the connection between mm. literature and art and and spirituality um, and particularly with the Bible I I studied Bible and literature um, as part of my uh, learning uh, there at Bucknell. So, so that, that, uh, that allowed me to really explore deeply what, um, you know, what I felt my call was, which, which was um, clear that I needed to try to make it as an artist if I can. Um, <laughs> not, not quite sure what that meant, but uh, that it, it, it was a kind of a calling to me, uh, even though I didn't understand who was calling me. Yeah. To do that. Wow. <laughs> uh, in your 
latest book. Is it art and faith or art, art plus, plus faith? faith. Yeah. No, they, Yale <laughs> used that plus and I like it. You know, okay. it's like yeah. cal calculus, you know, calculation of art plus faith. I, I noticed and, that too. And I'm like, art, right? <laughs> yeah. um, it outlines what you call theology of making. What yeah. do you mean? What do you mean by theology of making? Yeah, great question. Um, theology of making is a term I began to use as an artist. Uh, um, reading the Bible from, from the get-go, I, I became photo of Christ when I was 27 while I was in graduate school in Japan. And immediately when I um, read the Bible, actually I read through the Bible twice. I, I'm kind of this all-or-nothing kind of person. <laughs> and uh, once I understood Christ's claims, and particularly that was, I, I, I sensed, I, I connected Christ's voice with with this calling that I felt through art, that, that art as a um, means to uh, uh, pursue spiritual uh, journey. Uh, it became very clear that Christ's voice was what I was hearing when I was painting and when I was sensing this force rush through me, um, as it were. I, I felt this as a child, and I thought everybody had this experience, but, um, it, you know, I realize you don't talk about this in middle school you know <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, but it became very clear that that, that was that, that came up from not from within but from outside and I, I never really understood where it was coming from until I uh, connected Christ's voice with with this experience and so once I became a follower of Christ I wanted to know everything um, so I, I, I literally read through the Bible twice and 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 I came away with the sense that God is the artist, uh, the creator artist. Um, I would not be an artist without God's um, calling and bidding in my life and and that this was very clear to me, you know um, but again, this is not something that, a lot of people understand uh, in in the church. If, you know, I had missionary friends who were rather puzzled by why I was so excited about Exodus thirty one. You know, right? <laughs> and and the uh, tabernacle of Moses and one and a half cubits by two and a half cubits, and you know, like I skipped that part. I, I thought you know, like I didn't understand. I was like. Don't you see? You know, don't you see that this is all like God's redemptive plan and how mercy see represents Christ and <laughs> yeah and, and, and you know people are like oh really like like that's that's really that's really great you know <laughs> and so I I began to um, kind of hold hold back on saying those things because you know people had such a disconnect with. Yeah this idea that God is the artist and theology is all about making. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about making the Bible. is all about making. Uh, it's the making of nation, uh, making of tabernacle, making, uh, making of, um, you know, law is, is being made um, to um, mercy uh, being, you know, created when, when there was no mercy. <laughs> Jesus came uh, as a carpenter, and and uh, you know, um, and and so forth, and and we are the temple. We are being made, um, and Paul says we are a new creation. Um, you know, kainos, uh, which I talk about in the book as uh, something I transliterate as new newness. Not it's not new yeah. like in new iPhone, but it is an entirely new concept of the new. And so what, what does that mean? Well, an artist can clearly understand that this, this, this is a participation in this grand project of making. Um, and, I, you know, I get very excited about that um, from, from the get-go. Um, and writers like William Blake or mm -hmm. even, you know, Shakespeare intimates at, at, at these, these ideas. And, and so I, I, um, <laughs> I finally felt um, that I, I uh, many years of writing this down and thinking through it. Um, every time you hear a sermon, you, you ask that question, yeah. how does this sermon um, 
help us to make. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, not many sermons. No, can, there's a lot you know, of fear or division. <laughs> yes. or... Right. Or, warning or, or something or yeah. what i call plumbing theology or you know fix yeah. it uh, you know return to eden kind of uh, way and and it's it's um it's incomplete and it wasn't until i read you know nt wright's magnificent uh theological treatise and that i i, I you know finally uh, a theologian was talking about about this theological new, newness experiencing so so that was that was a breakthrough as well I, I love like i i well there's so much i've got a quote from nt Wright to to get to in a minute but um oh. when you talk about you speak so well in your book about new newness the new creation things yeah. being made new uh and for our interest in this uh podcast a more hopeful theological view than we so often see. But you give a little story. One of the things that resonated with me uh, in the, so much did, but um, this little story of being in a cab in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you identify what's interesting to me is obviously your, your work and and all of the things you pour hours into and the, but I think one of the reasons the cab story resonated with me, and maybe you can share it if you remember it, when, um, that is that you helped us to see, the readers, to see this new newness in mm-hmm. something so basic and simple. It didn't have to be a piece of like majestic art or something. Was, so tell us about that cab right. story. It's, it's happening all around us, but we, we are often blinded by our own sense of First of all, we are confused by newness, um, in, in especially in industrialized senses, is that you know a, a new new fashion, new new car, um, that you know that's nails in Greek yeah. word. Um, that's that's a flashy newness that you know that um, comes and goes. But kainos is is an entirely different animal. It, it is something that Paul intentionally uses as as a uh, term that almost shocks people that in Christ we are kainos creation and and that that is you know when I think about that I, I say well it's it's everywhere and yet it's it's something that is supernatural that that is that creates categorically a new new yeah. new new idea of new what is new so the resurrection is is that right it's it's not Jesus coming back to life it's what Tom Wright says is life after life after death. <laughs> so, so when I thought about that, I was like, okay, so it's that's that's that naos that that you know what is yeah. kainos? Kainos is something that we haven't seen before uh, at all, and in fact, we, it's so paradigmatically different from what we are used to that we we have to recognize it as something that is utterly supernatural, utterly uh, even even our the best idea of new doesn't capture it yeah right so we have to shift our mindset and and the taxi story is is a story um among a few stories that stood out to me as something that connects the ordinary experience we were riding in a taxi um um, in shibuya uh, tokyo uh with a whole bunch of um artists that i've been collaborating with and we were exhausted and it was raining and cold and got in this cab and squeezed in and uh andrew nemer he is a tap dancer um <laughs> was was there with uh susie barra um and her son emmanuel and uh he was nine or and, something you said That's, yeah, she, yeah. He, he was nine yeah. and uh he, he's, he's actually a, a, a pretty good soccer player now he's he's, he's like recruited by 40s pro oh wow <laughs> but but it was he you know he um yeah, so I, I I tell the story of uh, so I I sat in front next to the cab driver and Japanese cab cab drivers are like highly you know professional they they wear white gloves and oh, you know wow. eyes sparkling clean and and you know they 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 are trained to host you for five minutes you know so so they they understand what that means and. Um, so I, I told him that we have a percussionist, uh, her son, and two tap dancers in the backseat. And, and he just paused and he said, 
he let her, let her out of the sigh and, and he said, you know, my wife was a drummer and uh, she passed away six months ago and I, I still don't know what to do with the drums, you know, and there was a silence and I turned, turned around and I said, hey guys, you know, uh, this taxi driver uh, told me that his wife was a drummer and, and, and I, I was just sharing that for the sake of sharing and then about five seconds later, Emmanuel began to tap on the tap board that we were carrying in the back, and, and, and like very intentionally. And Susie joined in, and Andrew and uh, Neil, his his friend, joined in, and, and we had this fantastic percussion, um, you know, um, concert in the back seat of a grieving cab driver. Mm. And when we got to the hotel, it, it was uh, as if he had been in the spell, you know, he, he, he kind of had to wake himself out, out of this dream and, and he, uh, you, you give him, you know, you pay and the credit card became this object, sacred object, you know, for him that, that this was, this was absolutely the highest compliment uh, for him to, to have is, 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 is to have people who intuitively understood where he was, the sound. And he said, you know, the, isn't it amazing? Isn't music amazing? And had tears in his eyes. And, and, and so when I thought about that, you know, as I was um, sharing this with a group that was with us, I, I said, you know, that's new creation. That's Kainos. That, that mm. is, now, this guy may not know yeah. uh, Christ. Uh, this guy is not, you know, we didn't explain the gospel. Right. <laughs> we didn't preach the gospel to him. That, that was point. our chance. <laughs> yeah, that was our chance. But no, but but that's, that's you know, that's secondary to what was happening, what the spirit was doing. And we need to honor and recognize that first, um, you know, and because that that is how... God operates in the universe in which he, he left all these trails. <laughs> and uh, when we are filled with gratitude for, you know, percussive sound coming out of, you know, cab, cab, um, in Tokyo, that, that says something about the presence of God yeah. in, in such a setting. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we Christians uh, tend to want to explain uh, things to make certain that a person understands, you know, the gospel. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's also a reality that um, God shows up when, when we make. And, and that recognition, you know, to a non-believer may be something that triggers uh, a deeper way of understanding himself, his journey, his grief, uh, and and that may lead into yeah. something something new as well. Well, you, one of the things that I find really helpful in in your writing, talking about book art and faith, but as a person of Christian faith myself, like you know, that would impact the way I look at your art, and what I see, and then when I hear stories like this, of course, right. But you have a line in the book that you say the central question is not whether we are religious but whether yeah. we're making something. And I hear you speaking about your faith, but I hear you also, and for the kind of work that we're doing and such, to drawing us past these divisions. Um, you even talk about labeling in, in the in the book and that the label Christian is is not, you know, something that the Holy Spirit <laughs> needs. <laughs> right? that, uh, um, but the central question is not whether we are religious, but whether we're making something. And then when I hear of, I think you said it's Emmanuel, um, tapping. Yeah. Um, is this what you're referring to is, is a vocational call, right? Like, mm -hmm. and that even in that moment, the, the beginning to tap yeah. was a, was a vocation was yeah. fulfilling yes, vocation. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's sacredness in, in that commitment to uh, communicate. Um, and, and because that leads to a kind of communion <laughs> And um, yeah, I, I realize the importance of religious institutions. You know, don't get me wrong. I, 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 I'm, I have been a leader in the church for many years, but, but at the same time, uh, we, we have to recognize that the spirit is active and alive in 
margins where mm. the institution of the church cannot reach. Um, and as an artist, you know, we're kind of like border stalking the mm. areas of margins that, um, and, and the work that I have been, you know, in, uh, really been focused on in the past 20 years really is, is, is what I call culture care. Uh, instead of fighting cultural wars, um, instead of looking, seeing the uh, ground as a um, battleground, why don't we see it instead as an ecosystem to steward or garden to take, tend to um, see what happens, you know? And, and I think oftentimes when we do not agree with our neighbors, um, you know, we, we tend to think, well, you know, we, we have to draw the line somewhere to, you know, preserve what we believe and okay, but, you know, we've seen cultural wars. I, I've always said that cultural wars will lead to real wars, first mm-hmm. of all, um, it, because you're demonizing the other side, even if you win, you lose, uh, because every time you win, you shrink your territory. Um, and you're fighting for things that you never thought you would have mm. to fight for. Um, you actually quicken the process. Um, and and it's, it's just like um, a, a t- typical ways that the enemy works to undermine, you know, our virtues and, and you know, creates, creates this uh, way that, it, that, that un, you know, is, is detrimental mm-hmm. to our humanity, uh, no matter what side you're on. And, and so, so cultural care is, is an ongoing effort um, that, um, you know, we want to train young people mm-hmm. to think differently. They're, they're already thinking differently. They I are, think it's yeah. the case that we, we need to learn from yeah. them. In the book, there's a number of different forms of art that you describe. And one of them is uh, kintsugi, which yeah. briefly is uh, a kind of beautiful repair of broken things. I was first introduced to it in a uh, spiritual direction course I was taking and, uh, and the person yeah. teaching showed examples of this and talked about uh, it's even beyond redeeming and repairing something. It's taking something and making it anew and yeah. also somehow more, more beautiful. Um, yeah. And uh, a quote from your book, uh, in the lingering trauma and pain that I've experienced recently, as I prayed one snowy morning in Princeton, it occurred to me that God has beheld me a broken vessel just like Nakura-san, the Kintsugi master, holds tenderly the fragments he collects. Tell us more about how art helps you to see hope, faith, hopeful faith, mm. and that sort of repair and redemption of broken things. Art has a way of breaking down barriers and 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 the, the, how I work is in the studio um, minerals are pulverized in order to be mixed with Japanese hot glue to create paint I make my own paint in a sense um, and and then so that process of pulverization you know is is, is very much part of creation of beauty um, you're in a way destroying something in order to create something new. And, and Kintsugi coming, flowing out of um, the tea tradition, high tea tradition of Japan, um, starting around 16th century, um, is, is, is really uh, a remarkable metaphor uh, for new creation. And um, to, to me, um, it's one of the best ways. Uh, we were just doing a Kintsugi experience um, with a group here in New Jersey. We had uh, certified trainers uh, that we trained uh, to run these. And uh, this, this was like a halfway house. And, mm-hmm. and, and the leader who's a designer explained Kintsugi as the best way to uh, connect your uh, mind and your heart. Um, somehow when you practice kintsugi of mending, uh, mending not to fix, but 
to men to make new mm-hmm. uh, something happens to our brain uh this new this neurons starts to fire in the, in the right direction and uh traumas of the past uh, are also mended by by doing it practicing this uh, regularly so so we we began to um hold these sessions um i i was felt like art um is so separated from uh, our lives. <laughs> um, many times we can talk about art as entertainment or you know commodity, but but we rarely talk about art as a healing, you know, uh, tissue of of our lives, um, and which which I believe it is. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh believed that. Uh, Emily Dickinson believed that. They're, 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 you know, so so these these are ways that our culture has. Um, unfortunately, neglected um, these important ways that we we can be creative and 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 by being makers, we are able to tap into the mystery of these connected tissues and and revitalize what has been severed um, and reconnect those. those um, um, you know, whether it be tribal fractures or cultural fractures or personal traumas, um, uh, uh, seems seems to be one one of the ways that, that God is uh, go, going to help us when <laughs> to I journey into new creation. Yeah, when I first saw some kintsugi art, I thought it would. That's what communion vessels should be made of. Yes, the absolutely. cup, the plate—that's yeah. what it should be made of. That's a good that's point. Right. The you—you yeah. you speak too of the dimensions of this form of art, yes. and then yeah. you offer this kind of um, thoughtful reflection on on a master, uh, the sixth dimension. I think sixth dimension it? cafe, yes. where it's where oh. it's not fixed, where the fragments are just held. Yes, that's right. As yeah. and then you you um, give a parallel to that, like wouldn't it be great if churches yeah. can be like this tell us more about that yeah uh, so you know when you have a plumbing theology at work you know you you go to church to uh learn new tools to to fix things in the world and you you go away excited and you get trained in sunday school you you have these tools to try and you go home and you t- try it and you know it works right and and uh you fix your marriage you fix your you know uh, parenting you fix <laughs> you know yourself right yeah and 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 then you know you want to invite your neighbor because you 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 learn this new tool and uh next week they give you new tools and um and and that is is fine you know it's, it's fine to learn those things but very rarely i hear people talking about why we're fixing the pipes mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going through the pipes and 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 why is it what is the grand narrative of this you know fixing right and it, it turns out that it's not really fixing but it is it is it is it is god heating us through uh, our brokenness and and now we 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 tend to rush to the conclusion right we, we rush from you know good friday to easter mm-hmm. without having holy saturday mm-hmm. so we, we don't pause and think about to behold this darkness and and uh, when i met uh, this young Kintsugi master, you know, he told me, I mean, he, he said, you know, Kintsugi masters will often just look at the fragments for sometimes generations. They, they don't mend, you know, the whole right away. They pass it on to the next generation. And, you know, the, when I heard that, I was like, yeah. and, and a friend of mine who is also a pastor was there um, of an African-American church, and he was like, Oh my gosh, you know, this this is the way church has to think. This is not, you know, you don't, you know, come into church and and many times we, you know, we're giving the good news and by assumption you you know, you're made new and and you can go out and invite others right. and you know and and so forth, but we don't realize how deep a trauma it can linger. Yeah. And you know, being a 9-11 survivor, I know that. Mm-hmm. I know 20 years later, I'm still dealing with hairline fractures that I didn't know that was there. 
and it gets exposed in trauma, like the pandemic, right? Yeah. You, you you kind of, you know, live in, in pain because you, you, you don't understand and you go to church and you're supposed to be better, right? So you, you have to pretend like you're better. And, and, you know, this level of perfectionism that creeps in and you wear masks to, you know, you know, I'm an elder, right? So I have to look good and, you know, yeah. <laughs> I have to have all the tools ready to go. And, and, and what if, you know, I as a leader became a, a Kintsugi master of my community and say, you know, you might have broke, brought your fragments to, to mend it or to fix it. Well, we're not gonna do that first. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's just behold your fragment. It, you know, let's do that together. Yeah, it makes me think, I, I do chaplaincy in long-term care homes yeah. where, there's nothing there really to fix. Yeah. So what becomes the role of chaplaincy there? It's not about trying to fix because, or cure because these are 90 year olds en route to death. That's right. But the image of, um, Kintsugi there of just holding the brokenness in, in silence and, and taking the time to just sit with the brokenness and not try to fix it, not try to repair, but behold the beauty of it. Yeah. Uh, I think is an, is a helpful image. And you said that the church just isn't the church by its nature. Doesn't want to do that. It wants to fix and repair. So before you, you ask wanna, your question, okay. I said one, uh, Marco, I thought of you um, watching television recently. I, I don't know if the ad's playing there. I think it was on CNN or something. So it's probably American, not, not local here because yeah. it's for the world gold council or something. Oh yes. It's, 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 it's have you, everywhere. You know, have you seen that? I'm assuming you're not a, an artistic advisor for that ad. Cause it's like very <laughs> like, you know, clinical looking. And there's this, yeah. <laughs> somehow they picked up that this was, and the globe yeah. is put back together with this and just like, Oh, oh this feels yeah. so different than what Mako was talking about. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ken, you were going to ask. Yeah, no, I just, going to tie that into, because um, you mentioned you're an elder in the church, and what would it be like to be sort of a Kintsugi master in the church? So what do you what do you think of this, the state of the church currently? What are some of the challenges and opportunities, uh, whether it's coming out of COVID or just in the culture wars that are going on? I mean, it's more intense in the States, I think, in many ways than it is in Canada, but it's, it's here to that sort of battle between us and them and othering people where does the church find its footing in that? The church uh, is, is, is the bride of Christ and we need to be the bride of Christ. Um, we need to, first of all, see ourselves, our identity as preparing for the cosmic wedding, um, which means to me uh, as an artist, I want to be ready as an artist, you know, I want to be um, part of a group uh, of artists that perhaps will get the glimpse into new creation and, and, and um, make into that, right, on the side of eternity, so that on the other side, it will be amplified with God, you know, God, God chooses not to act unless we act, um, I I think, in, in terms of how, you know, because we are the we're preparing for the cosmic wedding you know, for, for bridegroom to come. Um, and, and I, you know, I was recently uh, remarried and, and, you know, we went through all the wedding, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, preparations. And, and I was like, this is such a beautiful metaphor for what yeah. we're supposed to be doing as a church. And, you know, we, we lose sight of, um, in, in the church, especially, uh, first of all, identity as a bride of Christ, uh, being prepared beautifully, you know, in to to uh, welcome the bridegroom, but but also we're we're losing sight of, uh, you know, how to do that because you know a, a, a bride is is supposed to make herself beautiful. <laughs> 
And and uh, what wedding does not have all of the arts represented? You know, <laughs> that would be pretty rare. You have dance, you have cuisine, you have you know calligraphy, you have uh, you, have, you know preaching. We have, I mean, music. You have dance. All these things are meant to be part of our experience as a church to prepare for the for for the bridegroom to come back and. And, you know, and, and then you ask yourself, you know, you know, who's the best photographer, right? Who's, right. who's the best, um, you know, um, sound person? Who's the best musician that can play you know, among our community? We're not doing that, right? We, as a church, right? We're not like... like arguing like, with the world instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we are not investing in young people to be the best. Uh, who's the best cellist today? Yo, Yo Ma. You know, who the you know, but but and God would choose Yo Yo Ma, right? And so so like, wouldn't it be nice if if like a friend of mine, Jio Kim, is a cellist too, and wouldn't it be nice that somebody who knows the Lord, right, can also lead the pack and and invite Yo Yo Ma to be you know yeah. be part of that. Um, so so those are things, the crazy things that I think about. <laughs> But those are beautiful and so much um, healthier <laughs> than the kind of culture war stuff that we hear, right? I wanted to s- talk for a few minutes about what I think, I and I also, uh, <laughs> N.T. Wright thinks this as well, so I'll say, you know, I got it from him. But he writes the foreword to your book and has some wonderful things to say himself. Um, but he identifies in the foreword that, that there's going to be, a, coming up in the book, uh, an important reflection on the story of Mary and Martha and Jesus and Lazarus. Um, uh, so, well, I won't give it away. How, how do you see this story as demonstrating something hopeful, a gospel that is, you know, about new newness instead of something yeah. else? My life has become um, shaped around John eleven thirty five. 35. Um, Jesus wept passage uh, I, uh, when I was doing my Four Holy Gospels project, illuminating the Gospels. It was a daunting project of five major paintings and 89 headletters to adorn the uh, chapters and then 148 pages of illumination, you know, that I was, I, I was doing. Um, and um, and I told a young artist then that, you know, the, the more, more ambitious the project, the narrower your uh, focus has to be, has to be a pinhole, uh, so sharp uh, that the projected image will become sharper, right? So, so I was so intimidated that I chose the shortest <laughs> passage in the entire Bible, Jesus wept. Um, but uh, all kidding aside, I have been journeying with that passage primarily because it, it's a passage that does not make sense to in, in terms of utilitarian value. Um, the, you know, it's, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, like he um, knows he's going, he knows he's going to raise him. Why would he weep? Yeah. Exactly. Why would he waste his time uh, weeping with Mary when all he had to do is take by her by her hand and, and take her to the tomb and said, you know, raise Lazarus and say, you have a little faith. And that's what we would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the plumbing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The plumbing theology would say, but no, this is a Kintsugi master beholding the fracture, right? This is some, something that Jesus has done in history. And furthermore, his tears, right? Once it is embedded in the universe, uh, this physical tears, uh, you know, I, I, have the theory that you know that's not going to disappear that's going to multiply right into the air and, and it's, it's everywhere uh, as we struggled with with our pandemic as, as we've seen so many friends and family um, lost to this um, you know it, it, it's been a difficult journey but Jesus tears are with us uh, physically and as well as spiritually right and and to me so I when I paint, I paint with Jesus' tears. Mm. When I, you know, I, I I invoke those tears into my work because that that's the only way you can talk about three eleven or nine eleven or Columbine High School mm. or you know any other uh, pandemic. Um, we 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 need 
ways, new ways of talking about uh, experiences. And John 1135 to me is the best uh, pinhole. And beautiful, so beautiful. How I, you write about yeah. It. So I, 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 you know, I preface this. I mean, entire book is based on that. Yeah. Wow. So well done. I, I was, you know, someone who's been a pastor for years and pre like, it was such a beautiful theological reflection. Uh, yeah. Just uh, as we come to the end, we have a, just a couple of other questions and one, we want to hear a bit about your art. You, you speak of slow art. You, yes. you work with <laughs> layers and layers over layers on time. Uh, I've seen online the, the, the stuff you've done on the, from the earthquake and the art that was inspired yeah. by that. What does that mean to you? Slow art. It, it's a way to preach to my heart, <laughs> to slow down uh, constantly. You know, my, my studio is the most sacred place uh, that I know. And when I'm here and I am able to slow down, I, I the, all, the, there's never been a time when I did not feel God's presence. Uh, and, and that is a remarkable statement to make. And I know I am privileged. Um, to have that constantly, and uh, you know, and 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 to me, uh, you know, slow art has uh, has a way of tapping into the kind of moment, and and we think something new uh, again in the you know post-industrial world. Uh, something new means you you have to get there efficiently and fast, yeah. and you know. Um, um, in way that capitalism works, right? Uh, this 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 may contradict that, um, but but at the same time, I I don't think it it precludes making in in in, in for instance in, in in the blockchain technology today. Um, you know, is it, that the opposite of slow art? Uh, I I have a theory that it's not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's, it's actually for instance technology can allow you to do things uh like reverse time that we have mm -hmm. never been able to do before and and so that that opens up a new conversation now obviously the technology is not being used <laughs> toward right. those ends so so it's <laughs> up to the artists right right to push that in, into the direction that is rehumanizing rather than dehumanizing but you know this this is this is part of an artist's work uh, so so for me slow art includes all of that yeah it made me think too of i, I don't know if you're familiar with john swinton but he uh, hmm. refers to the, I think he calls it the three mile an hour God. Oh yeah. Cause he's oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just right. Beautiful just stuff. like that's yeah. the pace at which Jesus walked yeah. the earth. And mm -hmm. so it's sort yeah. of like a slow, a slow art sort of yeah. version of that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Donkey is even slower, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we, we end a lot of our podcasts with this sort of question. What, at this time in history makes you hopeful? I am hopeful, not, not because the, uh, I, you see scarcity all around us and, and, you know, pain and suffering all around us. And the, 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 the those are in front of us. I, I raised my children uh, facing ground zero yeah. in New York City um, for 15 years. Every every morning I walked out to ground zero and I came back to ground zero. And that was and where I, you were, it, sorry, that was where you were when, when that happened too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we decided not to move and, um, and raise our kids there. And that made me reflect on what that means to be an artist, um, making things and and one of the things that i found was that i i was doing this intentionally to slow down but but to glimpse into a kind of hope that 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 is weighty and um enduring um that it it's it's it, you know I wasn't interested in anything fleeting or mm. 
short there because that 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 didn't help (laughs) the only thing that helped me would be music and art and dance and theater that that accounted for something long term uh, that we can contest uh, you know toward and and uh, we we can work toward and um, build into and and investing in younger generation that um, believed that despite what we've done to the church to the world to uh to to the earth um you know that there 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 are ways of bringing new hope into that mm-hmm. and you know and and the, so so i i have been thinking a lot about this obviously the pandemic accentuated thinking about the role of art in such a time as this mm. and how important it is that you know Shakespeare wrote his plays because yeah. the Black Plague yeah. didn't allow him to create theater in London yeah. he, he had to create these tiers you know system outside of London to sequester people yeah. as well as classes and so forth but but you know how frangelico painted how you know all, all these examples of people writing in trauma uh, J.R. Tolkien and Lewis yeah. both experienced trauma in the wars T.S. Eliot writing four quartets J.D. Salinger I mean all these people has given us something right and and they may they they have despair in them but they also have uh, this earned hope that that we 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 can rely on, because they they have experienced darkness and ground zero of their time, and and so it's it's up to us now to co-create into that um, common uh, what I call common curse, um, you know, common grace is also common yeah. curse, and 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 so we we can create into that um, with hope and that that will help create a language for future generations to create out of it's uh, so so beautiful i have this picture as we uh get ready to say goodbye and thank you again and everything i this picture of being in new york at like i don't know moma or somewhere somewhere looking at, i don't know why i chose moma but uh or or um you know another place looking at a beautiful piece of i think because i'm thinking of modern art more than you know, yeah. the, and uh, and the noise of the street. Obviously, you know it much yes. more than I do. But having been there, so and I know there's people who go into those places, and you look at some piece, some work of art, and and then you're back into the noise. But you you have this sense. I'm, this is a picture I have. You have this sense of like, I'm so glad I saw that today. That yes. I'm, that thing stayed with me and informed how I see the world and and I pick up in I'm so so grateful for the theological reflection you do on your work and that you offer us you're helping people like us as we're trying to more and more to articulate this hopeful theology it feels yeah. like you know you've you've gone up ahead of many people mm-hmm. um, I also pick up um, the reality and honesty and even sorrow in, yeah. in the work that you do. And can yeah. see that, and really want to just bless you in your work. Um, it is making such a difference. I know you know that. You've got like Martin Scorsese talking about your work and others, but for people like us, just here yeah, in, a, in a garage in Vancouver, um, oh, thank you because no, we need it, and and uh, we're gonna keep keep following you and seeing the beautiful things that that you co-create. Um, I, I, I am deeply honored yeah. uh, to be on on this, and and also, you know, one of the things that I had hoped is is to help give language to to that hope. And um, I'm having a show in New York uh, in a place called Highline Nine Gallery right oh, next to. Oh, Highline! Yeah. So you said Highline. Uh, yeah and 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 so this is a brand new gallery there that 
I, I, I got connected to and I thought it would be so appropriate uh, to uh, do an exhibit about hope. Uh, it, the title of the exhibit is called Resonance and we dash sonance. And, and, and the idea is to look forward um, knowing um, the, the present and, and the past and the traumas that we're going oh, through. Wow. But um, so, so it's throughout December. So, um, you know, any, anybody can come and, and see, see, see my work um, dedicated to this. I, I'm going to be showcasing a part of the exhibit would be the actual Fumie used uh, in the uh, you know in, in the movie Silence. Um, this 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 beautiful the, the, stamps are the key moment in that whole book, right? That's the right. Stamping. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and that 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 was uh, another Fumie used, and uh, the Fumie that I have is the one that Kichijiro steps on uh, in, in on the beach. <laughs> so wow. so I'm going to be using that as a metaphor of um, what we've been through. We um in 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 so many ways you know culture wars so many ways of uh you know persecution both both as a receiver of that and 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 maybe projecting that onto culture uh well yeah. bless that exhibition and your work and as you said already for such a time as this and thank you again for for giving your time to us um that's uh, we're really really grateful and so grateful for your work and so Thank you so much. Thank you very us. much for joining us. Yes, that's you. Bye-bye. Rector's Cupboard releases a new episode every other Friday. The podcast is a production of Reflector Project. Hosts are Todd Weeb and Allison Williams. Cupboard master for tastings and locations is Ken Bell. Production and social media by Amanda Mina. For past episodes and other content, visit rectorscupboard.ca. Thanks for listening.